Lego. Lego. The Lego Stud Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett. And if this is your first time, make sure to go back and check out some of the other episodes. We've got a bunch of builder interviews and a bunch of news that we've covered of the past. Well, now coming up on our two-month episode. And today we're going to have our special guest, Rarest Lego Minifigures. But first, we'll jump into our bricking news. And we'll start off with the first big story of the week... Lego finally revealed its newest supercar to join the series, the 42115 Lamborghini Scion FKP37. It's a real mouthful. And it's 3,696 pieces starting at and priced at $379.99 US dollars. It's a model of the Lamborghini Scion, which Lamborghini produced back in 2019. It is a limited production run of only 63. And it's a very nice set. I really appreciate the detail, especially giving it the lime green that we saw from the original paint job when it was revealed at the Frankfurt Auto Show. You can also check out my full coverage on my Back to Brick channel on YouTube, and it dives into the details and some more aspects of the Lamborghini FSK. Next reveal from LEGO is the LEGO Dots 2020 Summer Series. They came out with a few other sets to go along with their lineup. One is a desk organizer, so it has a little drawer as well as a place to put your pens and pencils and a little sticky note area. Then they came out with another bracelet, so they're continuing on their lineup of bracelets with different colors as well as different one-by-one tiles with different figures. If they remind me of anything, it's almost like the style of Crocs that have the little special decals that you can clip onto your Crocs to make them more personal. We also have a picture frame, a jewelry box, and extra dots so you can continue to change it up as you go. Lego has always been a big proponent for education, so they came up with new Lego education sets that are online right now. So they have what's the Lego Education Spike Prime set, which is 528 pieces and comes up to $330. It has not only bits and pieces with the box, but it comes with their sensors, so you can begin programming and teaching kids how to do that. And they have the Prime Expansion sets, so you can make more wheel designs and other parts. And they're all in really cool colors, such as teal and turquoise and maroon. And a couple uh, other sets, not just dedicated to the upper uh, education levels, but lower education levels with... The Steam Park set, which is a Duplos set that you can put together different sets so kids can play of all ages. Every month, LEGO does come out with a calendar for each month. So for June, they were focused mainly on cars, which is expected since June 1st, the LEGO Supercar Scion will be released. They're going to be offering a gift with purchase, item number 40409, the Mini Hot Rod, which is a homage to the set 5541 Blue Fury, which is one of the original model cars that LEGO came out with. You can get this set between the 1st and the 21st of June with orders over $85. And that covers the news for this week. And now we'll get on to our interview with Rarest LEGO Minifigures. Hey everyone, welcome back to the LEGO Stud Podcast. I'm your host, Garrett. And for today's interview, 
We're going to be talking to not only a builder, but a Lego collector. His name's Samuel, but you'll probably know him as the rarest Lego minifigure account that you'll see on Instagram. And if you've ever seen it, or I highly recommend you go look at it, he's got probably the rarest collection of Legos in the world. And we're going to dive into that today. So Samuel, welcome to the podcast. I'd love it if you could uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about uh, your background, and uh, then we'll dive into some questions. Sure. Thanks, Garrett, for having me on the podcast today. Excited to be here. So uh, like Garrett said, my name is Samuel. I'm from the United States, and I've been collecting Lego for probably a little bit over 20 years. And so mostly just started off buying sets here and there in the stores. And then one day realized I, I had a really rare minifigure, the, the Django Fett from set number 7153. Got really excited about that and, and thought about how cool it would be to continue collecting rare minifigures. And that's basically become the, the mainstay of my passion for Lego is, is collecting rare, rare figures from across the world for the last, I'd say, 10 or so years. And then uh, also like to do a bit of building here and there whether that's sets from that other people have made or or sets that Lego releases themselves or even even building some of my own models. Cool, yeah. I'm a big collector myself, so this will be a really fun conversation, hopefully. I'll start off with the first question I always ask is, uh, if you were a minifigure, uh, what items or utensils would you be holding and what would your minifigure look like? That's a great question. So... I actually, I had my own sig fig or significant figure already made for myself because it was something I just couldn't resist. I don't really like customs, but I, I couldn't resist having a little figure of myself. And so um, that little guy, so I'm, I'm a veterinarian. And so uh, wearing a little white coat um, has a stethoscope wrapped around his neck, a little bit of like contact info on the back. It's kind of like a, a Lego business card, if you will. So I'm I'm hoping I'll be able to hand some of those out someday in the future, but love having a little sig fig of myself. So that's a really cool minifigure. Uh, being a veterinarian, I still haven't made my own. I, I got to get on that. Uh, it's uh, There's so many to select from, it's hard to choose. But I mean, knowing your collection of minifigures, I, I'd say you have a very broad scope of figures to you know choose from to adapt. Uh, is there any figure that you've collected that has really started your obsession with just the minifigure side of things? Because I see you collect a lot of other things, but minifigures is your primary, correct? Yes, absolutely. So kind of alluding back to the the previous story when I introduced myself, the Django Fett, the original Django Fett from, from 2002, it's one of my all-time favorite minifigures. And just because there's a lot of uh, sentimental purpose with that figure. And so that kind of started me out on on collecting Lego minifigures and then other themes just continuing to collect Star Wars a little bit. And then they released the Lord of the Rings theme and really enjoyed uh, the minifigures in that theme. I think they're, they're some of the most artistically well done, done minifigures in all of Lego. Uh, Lego put a lot of work into them. It's a shame the theme was so short in its longevity, but I think those figures combined with with lots of different Star Wars figures really, really pushed me to continue collecting Lego minifigures. And then that kind of made me start to branch out into to rarer items as well. Yeah. And uh, uh, for listeners to preface that uh, Jango Fett figure was from the Cloud City set prior to the re-release that happened about two years ago. 
And most minifigures don't have prints on their arms or legs. And this one actually did have prints. And it was the only one of its kind to was sold in that set. And now uh, if you look on eBay, you're going to find it for upwards of, I think I've seen it for maybe 500 bucks. So it is a very rare figure. I never was able to get it. I do have the Cloud Series set, but without the figures, which was a disappointment. But that's a really cool start. Yeah, so the one from the Cloud City, that is actually, you were correct the first time, that's Bobo Fett. I was actually referring to uh, Django Fett from, from 7153, and I get it. They look, they're basically the same figure. The color scheme is the only difference, so they're easy, easy to get confused. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's okay. Completely it's messed that one up. Same figure. No, it's okay. It's basically the same <laughs> figure. So I don't blame you in the <laughs> Now, as you said, you collect the, the Star Wars sets, but I see a lot also on your Instagram of prototypes. I didn't even know that there were prototype figures that you could even purchase or find, I guess, in that manner. How did you stumble upon a prototypes? So... Prototypes are more more well known, I guess, and were more commonly, I guess, distributed back in the early 2000s. And uh, some of the rarest prototypes are from that sort of era. And I ended up meeting a few people that had been collecting those pieces for probably 10 or more years. And so kind of intrigued me to start collecting them myself. And, um, you know, it's kind of a mix of, of test pieces and prototypes, and perhaps now's a good time to kind of delineate between the two. So test pieces are, are often those, those red ones that you'll see on my page or um, other people's pages. Red pieces that, you know, it's, it's a color that is not commonly distributed in a, in a Lego set. And those pieces uh, Lego uses essentially to test out their, their molds to test the integrity of the mold. You know, is there anything wrong with it? You know, is there, is it creating bubbles in the plastic or something like that? And then a prototype is something that's different from the piece that will eventually come out in the actual set. So the prototype itself would maybe you would have a take, for example, like a Queen Amidala figure and from like the Gun Gun Sub, one of the more rare figures in that case as well. And, you know, maybe there'll be a slight difference in the hairstyle or a slight difference in the face. And again, this piece won't be printed with any colors or anything like that. And there'll also be a little bit of a difference in the mold. So hopefully that delineates between test pieces and prototypes a little bit. And so, um, you know, I kind of got hooked into that whole game a couple of years ago, again, with some, with some buddies of mine that have been collecting for a long time. And eventually, you know, you start to meet people that may have some collect connections in the factory or, or something of that nature. And, um, a lot of times those pieces are destroyed, but sometimes they're able to be sneaked out of the factory, so to speak, uh, and then and then would start you know buying some of those. Unfortunately, that whole sort of scene has has kind of collapsed over the last I'd say year, and I've actually gotten completely out of the game just because I think the whole stigma around it, how ethical it is to be taking some pieces that Lego once destroyed, and also kind of there, there's a lot of people that have started just making their own things, claiming it's a test piece or a prototype. And I'm just really not comfortable with that whole market anymore. It's just something I don't don't feel good about investing for in the future. Now, you know, the pieces I used to have, very cool, and I enjoyed them. But since really parted with, with most of them, also to invest in other areas of my collection that I enjoy a lot more. So you actually don't 
keep all the things that you've collected. You you kind of sell and get other ones to replace in your collection. I do, yes. So I really see my collection as quite fluid, actually. So a lot of the items I buy are, are very high-priced items. And, you know, I really try to keep my hobby finances separate from my life finances, so to speak, even though hobby definitely kind of takes over my life quite frequently. But because of that, if I want to buy something in the Lego hobby, then um, sometimes I will need to sell something that I have um, just because I can't often validate the exorbitant amounts I'll spend on a specific piece um, without saying, you know, I actually paid with this with my with my hobby fund, so to speak. So every item I've actually ever bought for um, my hobby has come originally from Lego itself. And so just buying and selling throughout the years, I have been able to make a profit and fund my my collection um, and, and fund what I own today. So that's occurred about over the last, I'd say, 10 or so years itself, too. It's nice and highly recommended for everyone who, if you have a hobby fund to do so. I know my wife and I both have our own funds, and mine primarily goes to Lego as well. It's good to keep yourself limited in that case or separate. Otherwise, it, it would get out of control. I know for me, uh, there, <laughs> yes, especially <absolutely>. with <laughs> like the uh, stimulus checks that were coming. I'm like, oh, Legos. But no, no, be responsible. <laughs> that needs to go to something responsible. But that's good. So are there any that you've kept since the beginning of your collection, you said about 20 years ago? As in terms of like minifigures or test pieces and prototypes or, or just anything in general? Uh, so your original one, the rare Boba Fett, that you do you still have it? Uh, or is there any one that you've kept for a long period of time you just can't part with? Okay. I would say no. I try not to get attached to any any parts of my collection too much um, just because there is always something new and exciting and I usually do move on from old bits and pieces. And again, you know, that hobby fund, it was all kind of self-generated from, from the beginning, so to speak. So that Django Fett minifigure that I had at the beginning, I, you know, I, I took it and I eventually sold that figure, made, I think, like $110. I actually remember the amount. It was $110 for a Django Fett minifigure and a young Bobo Fett. And eventually sold that, got that money, reinvested into something else I liked, sold that. And all that kind of spiraling out of control over the last 10 years has resulted in what I own today. And I would definitely say what I own today, I'm a lot more attached to. Um, you know, it doesn't doesn't have as much sentimental value, but considering there's some of the more rare pieces in the world, it's a lot more difficult to separate from them. And I've gotten a lot of offers, but I'm basically just not interested in selling them. So I definitely think I've, I've reached more of a point where I'm more satisfied with what I own, but could that change in the future? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I, I have noticed, as we were talking about before, you're not just a collector, but you're also a builder. Though some of your funds going towards some of these creations, I know that I see um, the Star Destroyer by one case, which is an epic build also. Are those more your hobbies now, trying to just build onto uh, some of the lego designs that you enjoy instead of just the collection of the figures and uh, rare items yes yeah, so i've i've always enjoyed building and that's been an integral part of the hobby um, the minifigures are definitely the big collection on the side but building you know the core of, of lego is 
has always been the main passion, I would say. And so Lego releases a lot of, of great sets, but uh, most of them don't don't really cater to what I like. I really like um, large, detailed builds. And um, whether that's, you know, yeah, like you said, one case is Monarch Star Destroyer. It has about 11,000 pieces. Um, there's also excellent builds by, I'm going to mispronounce his name, uh, Mirko, Mirko um, who's also on Instagram and made a couple excellent builds that were kind of like an Ultimate Collector Series uh, U-Wing and then also um, Kylo Ren's Starfighter. And so trying to build the U-Wing and have recently finished his Starfighter and then also built a lot of other things like a 30,000-piece Bowser that someone had modeled off of a small statue and were able to kind of make some really uh, loose instructions for that and just kind of had to make up my own build along with it. And then, you know, also doing a few other things, building an independence hall um, that I saw on eBay, bought some instructions for that. You know, the Lego community does a really, really excellent job of of making their own designs and um, really kind of taking things up a, another scale that the Lego really can't because, of course, they're more constrained by the the market that they have to kind of appeal to. And so because of that, you know, Adult fans of Lego have to build some of their own sets or, or come up with their own designs. And I think there's some of the best designs out there. And those are the ones I really like to build just because, again, they're usually a lot larger um, beyond the scope of what, what Lego can do financially, again, appealing to their market. And they're usually more detailed because of that. And so those are the ones I really like to have on on display around the house. And, you know, I also like to build some of my, my own models, too. From time to time but those are obviously a lot more time consuming uh, and unfortunately i don't have as much time on my hands so uh, build those very slowly usually over you know a year at least a several months time period while also working on other projects well, i think we all have that same issue time is never enough when you're d- designing or building legos and i see that you do like to build architecture is there uh, uh any specific architecture set that you've really enjoyed building or designing yourself? I did really like Lego's released version of, I think the set number is 3450. I might be wrong on that. The original Statue of Liberty. I think Lego did a really nice job with that set. And someone actually had designed a pedestal for it that was to scale, just like the actual Statue of Liberty that sits on a, on a scale. I'm, I'm blanking on the word. A stand. <laughs> a pedestal. <laughs> And so that was about, I think, like a, a 4,000 or 5,000 piece pedestal um, that went with that Statue of Liberty. And I think I think that was a, a really excellent set. I had that one for a number of years before I eventually sold it to fund a different building project. But that one was a, a lot of fun to own. And then, you know, I don't build too many of the, the smaller architecture models, but uh, my family really enjoys building them. And, you know, they're starting to get more into Lego, which you know, I'm hoping to to get them get them addicted so that my hobby seems a little bit less strange. I do the same with our nephew. Uh, anytime he has a birthday or something coming up, there's always some Lego set from his Uncle Garrett. Uh, <laughs> gotta it, plug it. Gotta, yep, gotta keep going. Is there any uh, major sets that are prominently displayed in your home right now? So right now, I don't have too much on display. I'm actually getting ready to move soon, so I'll have to take a number of them down. But as far as... as I actually have a lot of sets 
that Lego release is on display right now, despite what I said previously. So I have uh, the Batmobile, Hogwarts, the uh, Ultimate Collector, Millennium Falcon is actually here right next to me. I also built Voltron recently. And then trying to think. Uh, that's it, I think, for mostly Lego released. And then some other fan design builds. So like we already talked about, I have one case's Monarch on display right now. I have the Lord of the Rings Skylines by Ben Builds Lego, who's also on Instagram. Um, makes a lot of excellent instructions. Um, I've got his models on display right now. And JK Brickworld's another great designer. Makes a lot of neat Technic and, and mobile projects. I have his Lego Duck on display. And I have Papa Glop. He's also on Instagram. Um, I have his Razor Crest from The Mandalorian. That's about a 4,000 Ultimate Collector Series piece. And that's it's very neat. I um, would highly recommend that one. Actually, one of my, my favorite builds and final kind of display pieces. Um, I believe that's that's all I've got on display right now. And again, a lot of them are going to have to be broken down here soon. I think it's harder than building sometimes is breaking <laughs> it all down. Not fun. If you have an organizational mind trying to get it into bags per the bags that they originally came in, it's even a, it's a whole nother level. At this point, I think for for me, I need to start getting bins, just throwing them all in the sorted bins. Yeah, I actually got some bins and abandoned the system soon after because it just took too much time to be organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps in the long run. But at that first point, you're like, well, I don't have time. It's it's just got to go in the bin. <laughs> exactly. So back a little bit to your collection of rare figures. Do you have a process? Uh, I know you said you made friends where you kind of go through them, or do you use online systems? I know that there are some people out there, or some of my listeners might like to collect these, and if they're looking to find some, are there any recommended maybe entry-level figures to look for or resources to use? Sure. So it, it really depends upon what you're looking for. I think um, it's a pretty – it's a broad question, but definitely one I can try to address a little bit. So. You know, I think if you're trying to collect minifigures from sets, then eBay, BrickLink, all those specific sites are, are really good. Just make sure, you know, there's there's a lot of custom figures, a lot of fake figures that are now offered. And I think when you're buying from any of those sites, it's just important to make sure that you're buying from a trusted source. So someone that has a lot of feedback, you know, is potentially selling a lot of other Lego items and has a lot of history of being a, a Lego seller. And then um, in addition to that, you know, if you're looking to kind of go uh, a tier up from just common figures and sets, there's a lot of mini figures that Lego has released for, you know, certain conferences or, or projects or, or things of that nature. So whether that was for, you know, superhero mini figures released at, at a Comic Con like San Diego Comic Con or New York Comic Con or, um, you know, mini figures released for a fair or specifically within the Lego community itself. Often those items you can you can find on eBay still, but it starts to get a little bit more difficult, especially with, with minifigures that are released within the, the Lego corporate itself. Sometimes you'll find people that are willing to trade those items, even on Instagram or other markets. And then beyond that, the very rare figures that you know there's only a, a small handful of, um, those are definitely very difficult to track down, and, and there's a small community of us that always seem to be bidding on those same items over and over again every single time one of them comes up, and 
um, you know, prices definitely, definitely get pretty extreme. But um, if that's something you're really interested in, then you really just have to, you know, keep an eye out for when they may potentially pop up. Oftentimes, they're not on a common marketplace. And again, it's just a small private bid. It's a very interesting process. And usually, again, it's kind of it's it's difficult to get involved in just because you really have to be on your toes for when an item like that might become available. And they only come up once maybe every couple of years sometimes or or right now the the theme seems to be maybe once a year something very rare comes up for sale. But but that's about it. So I think there's there's kind of different brackets and depending upon what you're really trying to go after, you'll go to different types of marketplaces and of course, I've kind of collected at all different levels of brackets, and I'm always happy to help answer anybody's questions. I get a lot of messages on Instagram with, from people trying to to figure out where to go for what they want to collect, and I'm always happy to answer those questions. That's good advice. Uh, I think it, it is hard for people to know exactly what's rare unless it's kind of told to them or they miss the opportunity. Like for an example, the Gungan sub, it isn't super rare set. But the Queen of Amidala that came with it was only that one. This the only one ever been made for for that set, and it's not a super rare Lego because a lot of people may have bought that set at time. But mm-hmm. over time, I think it's like forty fifty dollars now just for the one minifigure. But like that's personally that would be like a good entry level one for people. Like if you really like Star Wars, there's that's that's not super expensive, but still you know not a standard price minifigure. Exactly. I think that's that's a great point, Garrett. So yeah, like the the Queen Amidala again, just just the one figure. But again, so many people bought that set that it makes it more common. But only set you could get that figure in. So at this point, you know, I don't know how long it's been since that was first released, but it's been a while now. So um, you know, the number of people wanting to sell that figure is a lot less, or even knowing that it's a valuable figure and, and wanting to sell it. So I think that that is a good type type of entry level figure to start getting involved in, you know, the Queen Amidala, the the old Django Fett, Cloud City Bobo Fett from um, that say you were talking about previously with the printed arms and legs, the old Lando Calrissian, um, who's kind of been remade recently. So I'm not actually sure if his price has stayed up there or not. But there's a lot of lot of different figures kind of between the the fifty to a hundred dollar bracket that that are good kind of entry level figures for for rare collecting of, of many figures and Again, always always happy to advise people on that if they want to get in touch. And the same can be said, as you were saying, that some minifigures are redesigned or re-released. Same with sets. We've seen that with the Millennium Falcon, where the original set used to be thousands of dollars. And then when they re-released, it starts going down again. So it's all about timing, right? Yes, it can be a lot about timing. It, it is interesting to always see how a re-released item affects the old price. And with minifigures, it actually does seem to be a little bit, you know, almost unaffected, actually. So, and that's mostly driven by the fact that, you know, if you're a set collector, then, you know, they come out with a new Millennium Falcon and, you know, it's it's new and improved, so to speak. So you want the new one. So I've had both of those Ultimate Collector Series Millennium Falcons. And, you know, while they definitely had some pushback from the the newer version, I've I've found that I actually like it a lot better as a display piece than the older version. But when it comes to a minifigure, you know, it's a different design. And if you're wanting to collect them all, which I do try to collect all the Star Wars minifigures I can, 
then it's a different variant. You know, it's a different design. It's basically a completely different minifigure. And so I found that, you know, over time, minifigures, you know, if they have a new remake, they're actually not really affected by price. Again, just because it's a completely different minifigure that you need to collect. Do you actually have a personal catalog of the ones that you've either owned or still own? So I have, I believe, the first 900 to 1,000 Star Wars minifigures made. And I have lost track over the last, I think, three or four waves. So kind of last 2019 to 2020. I don't think I've collected any of those figures yet because I tried to buy them in a, in a batch for Star Wars. Because um, mm-hmm. usually the prices are a little bit cheaper than, than buying individually over time. So I... I do try to keep track. I use something called a program called Brickstock to kind of keep track of that. I know a lot of people like to use Brickset to catalog their collections, but I've definitely kept it a little bit more simple. And I've got all these figures kind of put up in um, some nice little frames. Unfortunately, they're all in storage right now, but they're all put in some frames. And so I can kind of see the last mini figure that is in the frame and, and see where I need to collect from there. So again, I think I'm missing probably about 100 to 200 figures right now because Lego is releasing them at a very rapid pace. But for all the ones from, I'd say, 2000 to 2018, I've got I've got all of those. I, I was going to say that's and it's an impressive feat to go for. I know I would have always wanted to, but I'm let's see, I probably only have 200 of them. So I have at least a thousand more to go. So you're you're quite closer to finishing <laughs> off the Star Wars uh, minifigure collection. But um, I think they just have a very impressive, broad design scale because you're right. A lot of them aren't remade. So you have special ones. I know that they were doing a new contest uh, for the VIPs with the prototype white Boba Fett this last month. Right. And which I believe you also have in your collection, correct? Yes. Yep. I do have that that figure in my collection. And that's, you know, interesting if you want my opinions on those those kind of VIP stakes giveaways sort of things. I'd say save your VIP points. I don't know how many people are, are entering into those competitions. And, you know, it's cool that Lego puts it into a, a neat little personalized frame and all that. But, um, you know, when you're spending 50 VIP points every single time you're trying to enter into a giveaway like that, where who knows how, how small the odds are. I think it's better, better to use them to, to buy a set or something like that, but to each their own. True. And it's funny you say that because usually when those contests come out, I always recommend like if people want to, they can. And I always mm-hmm. say, I do say though, that the odds probably aren't in your favor, but <laughs> <That's right. laughs> at this point it could be, it could happen. I know I you always put them in. But yeah, it definitely is. You're throwing some points away that might not come into anything, might come to fruition. But the figures are cool. I know they just did the Masconata uh, and then the White Boba Fett. And so, but one in particular I'd like to talk about is your one of one, your white gold R2-D2. Mm-hmm. Is there a story behind how you were able to get it or can you talk on it? Sure. So, so yeah, I'm actually I'm fortunate to own two figures that are one of one. So I have the white gold R2-D2, and then I also have a bronze C-3PO. And so kind of the backstories of both of those figures just by themselves. So the bronze C-3PO um, was originally released back in 2007, and it was a giveaway 
um, speaking of giveaways, at the San Diego Comic-Con. And so um, people entered into that contest. And there was a guy in California that actually won that. And so his story with the whole piece, and I, he, he kept on to it for a number of years. He actually, he, so he won that piece. He was a, a young kid at the time. He took it. Um, hung it above the, the fireplace in his in his living room home, and it was hanging there for um, a little bit over ten years, and had no idea of its value or the really the the whole story with it. And so I have a uh, friend that lives out in California, and I'm not entirely sure how he found this piece, but um, he ended up um, ended up locating this person. I think they had finally decided to sell it and had contacted a, a well-known rare minifigure cataloger named um, uh, Minifigure Price Guide, if anybody's familiar with that site. And they had contacted him and he had put him in touch with a few people. And then, you know, sort of a friend of a friend sort of deal I heard about it. And, you know, I was really interested in, in owning this super rare piece, again, because it was one of one and um, looking to grow my Star Wars minifigure collection in, in a different way, I guess. And so, Kind of through all that, you know, eventually my friend down in California met up with this person, you know, saw that it was it was real, that this wasn't a joke. And, um, you know, I arranged payment and shipping and all that within about 24 hours. So immediately got that that figure over to my residence and have enjoyed having that one in my collection. And then the white gold R2-D2. So that one was given away as part of the, again, a, a sweepstakes of sorts for the the black VIP card holders for the um, Millennium Falcon. So, um, you know, if you bought one of the first copies of the Millennium Falcon, then you were given a black VIP card that, you know, you were one of the first people to own it. And um, you were also entered into a sweepstakes and were supposed to get rewards throughout the, the following year, which didn't end up to be that great of rewards, but entered into the sweepstakes to win that one of one white gold R2-D2. And so somebody down in Florida was was lucky enough to win that. And uh, again, a kind of a friend of a friend sort of deal or um, actually found, I think, this person myself and got in touch with them. And, you know, there was a number of other people that also got in touch with them at the same time. And, um, you know, he had a really, really great vision for what he wanted to do with the money. And that was to, to kind of open up a place for, for, for kids with special needs to help build with Lego and, and things like that. And it was really, really a great place for, for my money to go to pay for this piece. So kind of a win-win for both of us. And I ended up being the winning bidder, which was very fortunate. And Brian has been able to do some some really great things with that money. So, yeah, I was happy to kind of bring together the the old duo of C-3PO and R2-D2 and, and Lego 101 form. And definitely two of the big highlights of my collection. And, you know, we were talking earlier about you know, buying and selling and fluidity of the collection. And those are two pieces that, you know, I've gotten a lot of offers on, but just haven't been interested in selling. So kind of I guess, reach the, the peak there in terms of my Lego collecting and what I really want to hold on to. The C-3PO one, it really reminds me of like an old, those YouTube videos with the barn finds of a Ferrari or <laughs> yeah. a one-of-one one Corvette that no one knows that it's there, no one knows it's worth, and somebody gets to bring it back into the light of day, which it's it's great because now not just me or you personally get to enjoy it, but now everyone gets to see and see the potential of like wow like he's collecting these amazing legos and gets to display them and the same with the the white gold uh, r2d2 it's a great story especially being able to help someone create a a foundation like that to help help kids in need and and um 
build something instead of just, you know, oh, I just want it for the money, but this was for a good cause. Mm -hmm. And I highly recommend if you haven't gone on his uh, Instagram yet, all his, his posts are there of these figures. They're really cool. And uh, hopefully if your kids uh, get into Lego, maybe they'll want to keep them. So it's just continually pass them down in the generations to always have the story of, uh, oh yeah, dad used to collect Legos and uh, these are just a few of them. Yeah. And that is a, it's a big goal of my page is because I think a lot of these items have the potential just to be kind of locked away into a collection, you know, put in a vault or put behind a big old piece of glass and, and never seen again or um, something like that. And so, you know, I think rare pieces, they're not just meant to be stowed away. They're supposed to be shared. And I don't have any of those on public display. They're all, they are all locked away. I do bring them out occasionally to take a picture or two. And, and that is to show them to everybody else and kind of, kind of share this different side of the hobby that people may not be able to see otherwise. Yeah. And it's nice because like, I mean, I didn't know about prototype sets. I was a collector of, and I've been playing with Legos for years and now seeing what they look like or understanding how the process works is, uh, it's enlightening and you can never learn too much about Lego personally. And for anyone that also is interested in Lego, you can learn a lot about other specific figures. I know you have the life of Mars alien, which was part of when uh, NASA and Lego worked together and actually sent a Lego to the Mars surface. So it's really cool because it gives you some history and background into how broad Lego has been uh, in its history. Yeah, those ones actually, they didn't make it all the way to Mars. That would have been pretty neat. But they, they went aboard the International Space Station, which is really quite fascinating. And so those those pieces definitely have a lot of history to them. It's It's really... I think those were probably some of the first figures that Lego sent into space, which is pretty incredible that they even arranged that in the first place. But there's 300 of those, and they were all individually framed and, and put with a certificate. And um, they're quite, quite old now, so difficult to find. But occasionally they'll pop up on eBay, and you'll have an opportunity to, to purchase one of those. But prices are definitely pretty commanding now. Yeah, I guess I wasn't referencing specifically those ones. But I know that Lego did send like a um, their own custom set to the Mars surface. Did they really? Um, well, I didn't even know that. Interesting. Yeah. There was also three figures put on. I think it was a disc with one of the Mars ones. But then they had three figures of like um, Juno, uh, the god Juno, and two other figures were made not of uh, plastic, but I believe of metal and were placed on the new Juno satellite. Yeah, those were made of uh, space-grade aluminum. And according, mm-hmm. uh, apparent, apparently those might be, uh, they may have made a, an extra set and they might be hidden somewhere. But uh, oh, I don't, yeah, I know, I know, the, the mystery remains. So, <laughs> Well, hey, uh, if you find them, maybe we'll see them on your page one day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the goal, but uh, I have high, high, high doubts that will ever happen. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you ever take a trip, or if you've had, maybe they're in the vault somewhere at Lego, uh, knowing that they have so many things hidden in there. Yeah, I have I have not had the privilege to go there myself, but it's definitely on the bucket list for the future. Yep, oh, it's definitely on ours. I'm definitely trying to get in one of those insider tours and uh, get ourselves over there. Uh, f- a couple final questions here. As we were talking about before, you do like to build some uh, uh, 
mocks or creations from other builders. Do you have any planned in the future after your move? I'm actually working on one right now. Um, so been putting a few updates on my page, but the, the one I'm working on right now is a um, micro scale of Minas Tirith from Lord of the Rings. And, you know, it didn't really go into this with any sort of plans. You know, there's a couple excellent models that have already been built by other other designers and definitely using them for some inspiration, but going about it my own way as well. And been working on that for a couple months now. And uh, again, these projects take a long time because I, I didn't go into it with any, you know, pre-designed plans on Lego Digital Designer or Studio or any of those computer generating building programs. And so kind of building it as I go along and then coming up with different designs and building and tearing it down and rebuilding again. And it's an interesting experience. So that one will definitely have to be transported along with the move and I'll have to continue working on it. And, you know, if I had to guess, probably end up around 10,000, 15,000 pieces or more. And again, it's a, it's a micro scale model, but it's gotten to be quite large just because I wanted to do it on a big enough scale that you know, you can have little buildings and fields and stuff like that and you know, a, a big rock face in the background. So I don't remember how many studs by studs it is right now. But again, you can kind of get an idea of the scale on my on my page if you want to check out some of those pictures. That's the real old school way of building. Yeah. I, I know I don't have 10,000 pieces lying around personally to to build. I I would love to. But I'm primarily like on studio and it's great for builders like that because if you think you're limited, oh, I don't have the bricks, it really doesn't matter. You can just use those sites. But if you do, do it the old way. Do it, Figure it out as you go, which is really, it's a challenge, I think. And I, I think that's very admirable to build that way. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely two different ways to go about it and two different ways to to design things and people find the way that works best for them. I think for for most people the the studio or Lego digital designer are are the routes to go to design your own sets and a lot of people have success with that. I've always just struggled personally with being able to picture what I want on those programs and I have used them in the past to kind of design I'd say 50% of what I'm building. Um this route I I this for this set, uh, the route I decided to go was was really just, you know, kind of winging it, so to speak. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to have the bricks around. But definitely, if you if you don't have the bricks around to kind of play around with, then I think those those computer programs are really excellent at what they do. Yeah, and it's a great alternative, which is nice. And um, just two final questions. One, has there ever been a... Uh, minifigure that you've wanted but have never been able to get your hands on yes there's been a couple and it's mostly again because of this competition that um, a lot of us rare minifigure collectors have to to collect you know nothing is ever an easy easy purchase i would say for any of these rare items so i know where these rare figures reside they're in, in lego man scotland's collection um on instagram <laughs> and you know, he's got a he's got an excellent collection as well. And he kind of has the same mindset as I do that we're wanting to to share these rare minifigures to everybody else. And so he, he shows them on his page. But that would be his collection of, of solid, solid metal Bobo Fets. So uh, those really, really neat figures. And, uh, you know, they're both uh, one of two. And, you know, I know the, the other collector that that owns them and they're not wanting to sell. And so I think uh those are figures I'll, I'll likely never own, but 
um, enjoy at least getting to see them on on his page. I would say, yeah, that's a challenge, especially when there's multiple people just wanting to be the same same way, having the same figures. It's one of one, one of two, or one of one. I guess you got to find that second one. Unless does he have both? So he lives in in Scotland, and he's got just one set of them. And then the other collector I know that owns the the sterling silver Boba Fett and the solid gold Boba Fett. He lives in Australia. And then I'm not actually 100% sure where the other Boba Fett, the bronze Boba Fett is. I've heard rumors of it, but, and I think the person that had it wasn't interested in selling, but might have to revisit that some point in the future. Yeah. I guess my final question for the overall of Lego what has it done in your life or changed how you see or interact in life having Lego be a part of it? Lego is a huge part of my life, and everybody that knows me knows that Lego is a huge part of my life. I'm definitely known as the Lego guy around the workplace and the hospital. And so it's an amazing hobby because, you know, you can kind of go about it in any way you want to. So for, you know, for me, I like minifigures. I like to build and I get to do both. Um, I get to engage in a, a really excellent community, you know, having podcasts like this for a hobby. Um, also getting to talk with other people on forums that are are like-minded about the hobby, going on Instagram, seeing lots of different pages. You know, I think it's a it's a really special atmosphere that we all get to be a part of here with with Lego, bringing again so many people together that otherwise might not know. And so I'm, I'm thankful for that impact on my life with Lego. Again, just getting to meet a lot of a lot of excellent people that I might not have otherwise gotten to meet. And that is what is nice. It is a community. We all kind of band together over a a passion, a hobby, a lifestyle almost. And it's nice to continually meet new people that enjoy the same things you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me on the podcast, Garrett, and uh, wish you wish you all the success and the best in the future. Yes, Samuel, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us today, sharing a little bit about your collection and your builds. I think everyone really should go and check out your page, Rarest Lego Minifigure on Instagram. It's got some great pictures. And maybe if you're interested in collecting, you can reach out to Samuel and ask him more questions if, if they weren't answered on this podcast. I do say don't ask about price. That's It's the same thing about asking somebody's age. It's not, it's just, it's rude. Just don't do it. <laughs> but Maybe you'll have a collection just as impressive, and I hope you enjoy Legos as much as we do. Samuel, again, thank you for taking the time today. Absolutely. Thank you, Garrett. I just want to thank Rarest Lego Minifigures for coming onto the show again. He's got an expansive collection that is just really awesome to look at and admire, seeing that there is not just, you know, a few rare Legos out there, but quite a few and some that you may have never heard of before. And I also want to thank you, the listeners, for spending the time listening to me talk and having others come on the show and talk about all their Legos that they built or designed or collected. And because of your major support in listening to this podcast, I've actually tried to make more content as much as I can. I'm looking to expand into YouTube to get back to it. And I've created a patron account. So if you're really interested in getting behind what this podcast is about, I'll put the link down in the show notes to our patron page where you can become a patron, get access to some of the behind the scenes look 
extra episodes, as well as getting to listen to this earlier in the week, and many, many more. There's quite a few levels, and I'll be posting there frequently. So again, thank you for listening, and if you want to check out my accounts, it's iBrickHeads, Back to Brick, and Lego underscore underscore stud on Instagram. Thank you again, and as always, get creative, get out there, and go build something.